As you can tell, Pastor Heron is not here. He was scheduled to preach this morning. He um, contracted COVID um, recently, and he is home recuperating. Uh, last night um, was a good night for him. Please continue to pray for him as he recovers. We expect him to be in the pulpit next week. And also, we've been praying for Jimmy Edson. Uh, Jimmy was cleared recently to go to Atlanta so he can be evaluated to see if he's eligible for a double lung transplant. And while that is an answer to prayer for us, this first step, please uh, let's continue to pray uh, for God's wisdom and grace, and especially for the family as they travel to Atlanta to find out um, if, if Jimmy can have this transplant. Uh, I spoke to Pastor Heron last night, and he asked me to share with you before our corporate prayer uh, to talk to you a little bit about our finances. I want to thank you for your generosity on this year as you uh, give to the work of this church. And I remind you that as we face this, uh, the end of this year, one of the things that our elders will be looking at uh, is how closely we have made our budgeting goal as an indication that you support us in our mission to commend the greatness of God the way that we've been doing it. And so I encourage you to uh, continue your faithfulness and giving as we reach the end of this quarter. You can make uh, your year in gift in, in many ways, but uh, let it be with this attitude. Whatever you give, let it be an act of worship. Everything that we give comes from the Lord, and we can return it to him, not out of obligation, not out of guilt, uh, but out of worship. And I invite you to do that. Now let's turn to the Lord in prayer. Almighty God and loving Father, we thank you for this time of the year where we uh, have spent the last four weeks anticipating the celebration of the birth of Jesus Christ. And for the remaining weeks, we will uh, look with anticipation uh, to the second coming of Christ. We thank you that we have hope, love, joy, and peace because Christ indeed was born. Thank you for Isaiah's word where he said, the people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwell in a land of deep darkness, on them a light has shone. We thank you, O oh God, that you did not keep us in the state of darkness, in a state of separation from you. Um, but you brought the light of the gospel of Christ to shine on, in our midst and applied his gospel to our hearts. And we thank you, Father that we who have trusted in Jesus Christ no longer walk in darkness, but we walk in light. We thank you for the child who was born. We thank you that to us a son was given, and the government is on his shoulders, and his name is Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. We praise you, O God, for giving us the opportunity to dwell in the midst of a God who gives us peace. And it's in that peace and that assurance that we bring 
our concerns. We pray for Pastor Heron that you would give him relief from this infection of COVID. We pray, Father, we thank you for he and his family members who join him in the sickness, that they are getting good care. We pray that you'd work through their physicians to provide healing. We pray for them and others who are afflicted by this illness and others that, oh God, that your, your grace might bring healing and restoration to bodies and that we would lift our eyes and see that our help comes from the Lord who loves us and who calls us to himself. We are grateful for the news that Jimmy will be evaluated to see if he's uh, eligible for this double lung transplant. We are aware that whenever there's a transplant, there is a sacrifice. So we pray for the family of um, the donor that you would give them grace. Uh, we thank you for that uh, donation. We pray, oh God, for uh, Jimmy and his family as they wait on you that you would again demonstrate your faithfulness in, in a way that would allow him in 2022 to breathe clearly. Father, we, we rest him in your hands. We pray for our missionaries, especially as they look into the new year that you would give them wisdom and grace. We pray for um, those who face uh, difficulties and different challenges that can uh, threaten to hinder their ministry and confuse their plans. Oh God, we pray, pray that you would order their steps. We pray that you'd provide for their needs in 2022. We pray that you would give them clear and wise planning as to prepare for 2022, and that you would give them energy and physical and mental and spiritual strength to face the challenges you have for them as they face this year, and allow their service um, to be uh, the result of their service um, to, to be that which pray, uh, results in the praise and honor of your most excellent name. Father, we bring these requests to you in faith because you are a good God and you call us to yourself. We ask you to hear these and all of our prayers, even as we pray the prayer that you taught your disciples, saying together, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Well, good morning once again. Merry Christmas to those of you here in the sanctuary and uh, outside, as well as those of you who are following along online. We welcome you to worship this Lord's Day morning. Just a few announcements. A reminder, we will not have Sunday evening worship tonight, so there's no Sunday evening worship tonight. Uh, we invite you to spend that time continued with your family uh, as well as your friends and gathered. All those who are gathered with you, so... No evening worship 
tonight. Also, we want to remind you, uh, as Ken just mentioned, we have a phenomenal church, a group of people who are so generous and passionate about the gospel and about the gospel going forth amongst all the people uh, of the world, both here and abroad. And so we are so richly blessed at the generosity of the people of this church. And I want to remind you that the office, there will be someone here on December 31st for you to make a last year contribution, should you so desire, if you need to bring a check or something by, you may do so as well as online. And there's a box over across the street as well. So we just want to remind you of that as we finish out the year together. With that in mind, I invite you to stand. The peace of the Lord be with you always. Let's share that peace together. talk. You have to come sit back down so we can continue to worship. You can continue to talk and hug and all those wonderful things. We just don't you? We love that y'all love each other. You know that this is just a beautiful group of people. We invite you to continue to worship with us this morning as we sing. What child is this? Hymn two thirteen. Yeah. 
Thank you, and please be seated. I think the secret is out. Mike Heron is not here, as you see in your notes. Uh, we were scheduled to uh, hear a message from uh, Acts, excuse me, Romans chapter 8, and I had the opportunity of talking to Pastor Heron, and he told me uh, what he was going to say and uh, how excited he was uh, uh, to be able to share that message. And uh, hopefully, we'll it's a good message. I can't wait until you hear it. It's a good message. Uh, but I, I'm not going to give it. I couldn't give it the way that he would give it. And so, Lord willing, he will give that message at a different time. But turn in your Bibles, if you will, to Colossians chapter 3. Colossians chapter 3 is page 1834, if you're using the Pew Bible. I'm going to be reading from the NIV. Uh, please listen to God's word written and preserved for us. God's word says, Since then you have been raised with Christ, set your hearts on things above, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things above, not on earthly things, for you died and your life is now hidden with Christ and God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you will also appear with him in glory. This is the word of God. Thanks be to you, O God. Shall we pray? Almighty God and loving Father, on this day, after the celebration of Christ's birth, we are still grateful for the gift provided for us through the death of your Son, Jesus Christ. We are grateful for your word. Free us from distracting thoughts and keep Keep me faithful to the text. Allow us, O oh God, to hear your word and believe what you say about us. Give us expectant hope because of the active work of Jesus Christ. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I want to share with you that during the last four weeks, we spent time preparing to celebrate the birth of Jesus Christ. We call it Advent, and each week uh, we talk about love, hope, uh, peace, and joy, and how to find, uh, how to rejoice in a weary world. Uh, I'd like to call this Sunday the fifth Sunday of Advent, because on this Sunday we're not looking back to the first birth of Jesus Christ. We're looking ahead to the second coming of Christ Jesus. And we look with anticipation because of his coming. Uh, I'm going to uh, give you a spoiler alert uh, and tell you something that uh, <clears throat> I was thinking, maybe I wouldn't say it now, but if, if you get this, you get what I want to say throughout the whole sermon. So I, I'm going to pray that you'll still listen. Um, but, but here that when we look forward to the second coming of Christ, the glory of Christ will be revealed. And here's the spoiler alert. And our glory will be revealed as well. Because the text says that the glory that Christ has, he has given to us, and the glory that we have in him we, will be revealed. Now, here's the point. Uh, 
When Christ comes, we will not get glory. The glory that's already ours in Christ Jesus will be revealed. So I'm going to tell you what my intent is in this sermon. I'm going to encourage us. While we're living in anticipation of the second coming of Christ, we live lives that truly reflect who we are in Christ. And I think Paul shares that. How can we rejoice in the weary world? I think Paul in Colossians 2, uh, verses 6 and 7 says, So then, just as you received Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to live in him, rooted and built up in him, strengthened in the faith as you were taught, and overflowing with thankfulness. So I pray that the result of God's word bringing fruit in our lives would produce us to live lives with this strength. We are rooted and grounded in him, and we find our hope in Christ Jesus. From God's perspective, there are two types of people, redeemed and unredeemed. We like to put people in categories, don't we? We like different levels of success and failure and significance and not. But from God's perspective, there's redeemed and unredeemed. If you're redeemed, if you've trusted in Jesus Christ that his sacrifice paid the penalty of your sin before God, then everything that I'm going to say this morning is yours. Every, this describes who you are in Christ. There's no level of better Christians and worse Christians. We all have the same benefit. If you're not a believer in Jesus, what I'm going to say this morning does not apply to you, but it can. If you trust that Jesus Christ died for your sins, everything that I say today can apply to you, but it only applies to those who have faith in Christ. There are only two points, and the first one is, here's the benefit that we have in Christ. We've been raised with Christ. So as we look to the second coming, we look to it with a, a certain perspective. We are right now raised with Christ. Look with me at verses 1 and 2 of Colossians chapter 3. Look at these verses again. Since then, you have been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on things above, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. And set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. We have uh, an elevated perspective in life when we realize that we have been raised with Christ. The translators of the NIV, I think, correctly uh, communicated what's happening in the Greek because they used a, a present perfect tense when it said, have been raised. And you know that the present perfect tense means that something happened in the past that continues to have effect in the future, in the present. Something happened in the past that continued to have effect in the, in the present. So this is what this means. I and you have been raised with Christ. Now, the, we were raised in the past, and I'm going to get to that in a moment, but it has impact in the, in the present, which means I live my life today based on the fact that I've been raised with Christ. 
I have a, a, a new perspective on life. When Paul talks about being raised with Christ, he usually follows it up with this phrase, raised to walk in newness of life. Raised to walk in a way that shows that our lives are not just based on the circumstances that we find ourselves in day by day, but there's a real perspective that we don't always see in front of us that we have been raised with Christ. So when? I think Paul talked about that to the people in Colossae when in chapter 2, verse 11, he begins by saying, in him, in Christ, you were also circumcised in the putting off of the sinful nature, not with a circumcision done by the hands of men, but with a circumcision done by Christ, having been buried with him in baptism and raised with him through faith in the power of God who raised him from the dead. When you were dead in your sins and in the uncircumcision of your sinful nature, God made you alive with Christ. He forgave us all our sins, having canceled the written code with his regulations that was against us and that stood opposed to us. He took them and nailed them on the tree. Did you get what Paul was saying? He said that we were dead in our sins before Christ, but we've been raised with Christ, so now we're dead to our sins. You know what that means? That means that we are no longer controlled by sin. God has made us alive in Jesus Christ. The written code that stood against us does not stand against us any longer. You know, whenever you look into Scripture and you see when God reveals himself to man in all of his holiness and glory, there's a universal response. And that response is one of fear and drawing back. Uh, we, have, we have a different response. Because we've been raised with Christ, our response to the presence of God is not that of fear but delight because the one who died for us, the one who lives for us, calls us to himself, and we share in his resurrection. He is for us and not against us. We are dead to sin not dead in our sins. The NIV translates uh, the word because we have died and have been raised. Set your hearts on things above. Uh, that phrase, set your hearts, it really means seek. It means seek. Uh, and, and it means um, look so that you can find. Look diligently so that you can find. Uh, <clears throat> this doesn't happen as often as it used to, but uh, there are times when I've been asked to find something. Um, and I'd say, uh, I'd say at home, where is such and such? It's in the refrigerator. So I open the refrigerator and I'm looking. And I, and I can't see it. It's right there in front of me, but I can't see it. Am I the only one that's like that? Okay, thank you, guys. Thank you. I'm not alone. Uh, that's not the seeking that this is talking about. It's not seeking casually. Well, I can't find it. You know, where is it? 
It's the seeking diligently until you find. It's the same word that was used in the parable that Jesus taught in Matthew chapter 18 when he said that there were 99 sheep who were safe and one went wandering and the shepherd went to seek that sheep until he found it. Remember that story, how that when he found that sheep, it was one of joy because what was lost was found. It's that diligent seeking. And what Paul is saying here, because you have right now, you are right now raised with Christ, seek with your hearts the things that are above. Now, <clears throat> we may be tempted to wonder what things above, what, what are we supposed to seek? What exactly is God calling our, mind, our hearts to? We'll look at the text and see, um, Paul says, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. And so one of the things that we are to seek when we turn our eyes to the Lord is to realize that our attention, our goals in life are directed toward the one who sits on the throne in heaven on our behalf, who right now rules for us. I like what Calvin said when he commented on this. He said, as to the right hand of God, it is not confined to heaven, but fills the whole world that the presence of Christ reminds us that there is not a distance between us and him, and that at the same time, his majesty may excite us wholly to reverence him and find hope in him in our ordinary lives. And what he was saying was this. Everywhere we are, we need to realize that the presence of Christ, his kingdom is right there with us. God told Israel that earlier in uh, his relationship with them. Remember in uh, Exodus where God said, um, I am the Lord your God who brought you up out of slavery. You shall have no other gods before me. And in the Hebrew, that means before my face. In other words, wherever I am, you have no gods before me. Uh, God is everywhere. My former church was in Duanesburg, New York. We had about 120 members. I can go into a store in Schenectady or in Albany and be certain, almost, that I wouldn't run into any person from my church. I have a different experience here. <laughs> there are about uh, um, 2,000 of you of members. <laughs> I don't know where I'm going to run into you. I, I have this um, issue of uh, my sanctification where I'm working on my driving skills. <laughs> and it's been said that I have this tendency that when people uh, are slow or um, they're rude on the road, that I am not as kind as I can be or should be. Uh, and one of my fears is on uh, one day I would, uh, in impatience, pass a member of First Presbyterian Church and give him that sanctified look. 
as I, as I pass him. Uh, that's a In Dwaynesburg, I didn't have that fear. Here, I have to guard myself because I don't know all of you. I have no idea who you are out there in public. You could see me do things behind the wheel that you say a minister should never do that. And so um, my wife has graciously reminded me, be careful. (laughs) Now I say that, uh, I'm really doing that, but I say that because we are always in the presence of God. And for me, that's not a fear. That's a comfort. Because I can set my heart, not just on earthly things, but remember that the real reality is in, in, in before God in his presence in heaven. That who I really am is in my relationship with God. Now, I look, there's more in this service than the first service, but I look and I see people wearing masks, and that reminds me that we are in the midst of a pandemic. This is a weary, weary world. We pray today for Ed, uh, Jimmy, Edson. Uh, This is a weary world for those who are sick. We pray for Pastor Heron. This is a weary world, and it's a temptation to all we see is uh, we judge our lives based on everything that we see. But the reality is we have been raised with Christ so that I can seek heavenly things with my heart. And Paul goes on and he says, set your mind on things above, not on earthly things. Now, that set your mind is a fascinating verb. Uh, That means put your whole selves in a position where your goal and your desire in life is to attain heavenly things. Let the direction of your life reflect who you are in Christ. Don't be Uh, convinced that what you see and hear is the only truth. There's another truth that you've been raised with with Christ and your life has meaning. Paul concludes his thoughts in this in verses 3 and 4. Look at that. 4 You died and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you will also appear with him in glory. Just briefly, what Paul said when he said you died. He's not talking about your your physical death. He's talking about dying to sin. Uh, In Romans uh, chapters 6 and 7, he talks a little bit more about that, that we are no longer controlled by sin. We're dead to sin so that uh, sin has no influence over us. Have you ever said to yourself, well, I couldn't help myself. Uh, I'm a sinner. I couldn't help myself. First time I had to really deal with that in church was years ago at First Presbyterian Church in Schenectady. I was in the church office, and the secretary was behind the desk typing, and I was um, 
uh, nailing something to the wall, uh, and, and uh, I hit my thumb. Boom! And the, and the first word that came to my mind was not a word that you say in church. And I was tempted to just let it out and say, well, I couldn't help myself. Uh, the devil made me do it. As that one theo theologian used to say, the devil made me do it. Right? Um, I'm dead to sin. Sin has no control over me. I no longer have the excuse I couldn't help myself because I, have, I've, I am dead to the power of sin. For you died. Now, when did that happen? That happened when Christ's death was met for me. In his death, I died. I did not die um, physically, and I did not die spiritually, but I, I'm dead to sin and alive to Christ. Well, Paul says, for because you died and your life is now hidden with God in Christ. Let me just tell you what that means. How many of you have um, hid Christmas presents before Christmas because you didn't want anybody to find them and before you raise your hand, and you forgot where you hid them? Anybody? <laughs> Isn't that awful? Anybody back there? Oh, nobody's back there. Isn't that awful? That's not the type of hiding that Paul is talking about. He's not saying you put something away to get it later. That's not what he's saying. Um, the biblical word for hiding means this. You are kept for a special purpose. You are kept for a special purpose. Now, this is where he gets great. You are kept in Christ. Did you get that? You are kept in Christ for a special purpose. Listen, they, um, your keeping is not guaranteed by your faithfulness. Your keeping is not guaranteed by how much you give. Your keeping is not guaranteed because you attend First Presbyterian Church in Augusta. Your keeping is guaranteed because you're in Christ. And Christ will never fail you. He'll never, he'll never abandon you. He'll never treat you like our society treats us. You're kept for a particular situation. Now, I love this. Look at verse 4. This is absolutely amazing. This tells us for what are we kept? Look at verse 4. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you will also appear with him in glory. So why, why are we kept? We're kept for two purposes in this text. The first is we're kept for the place when Christ will appear in glory. Now, I tell you that the first time that Christ appeared, he appeared um, humbly and as a baby. He appeared as a baby in a manger uh, he uh, became obedient unto death, even the death on the cross for us. Uh, but when he comes the second time, he's coming in glory. He's coming in the way that Paul said, every tongue will confess that he is Lord to the glory of God. It's going to be a glorious time. No one will be confused at the glory of Christ. 
and the glory of Christ will be revealed and our glory will be revealed as well. Our glory will be revealed as well. You know what that means? I said it earlier, but I have to say it again. That does not mean that when Christ appears, we will become glorious. We, the glory that we have, that we have from Christ, will be revealed. We right now have a glory in Christ that calls us to live lives that go beyond the ordinary. I love the way that Woodhouse put it in his commentary. I'm going to read it. It says, What is now hidden will no longer be so. Paul is speaking of that day when Jesus Christ will come in glory. On that day, he will be seen as he really is. And your now hidden life in him will also be seen for what it really is, glorious. So here's the point. Right now, December 26th, 2021, we live lives that are wrapped around the glory of Christ. What are we going to do with that? What are we going to do with that? As we face 2022, our goal is commending the greatness of God in Jesus Christ to all peoples and all generations. We can really do that because of who we are in Christ. It is not just a story we tell. It is a way we live and a story we tell. We're not just waiting for a future existence. We're waiting for the time when Christ comes and we are revealed for who we really are in Christ. The challenge is living that out now. We have the joy of doing that. Shall we pray? Almighty God and loving Father, write your word on our hearts and cause us to be full of hope through the power of the Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.